Montana's business-friendly economic environment sometimes catches folks by surprise, such as industry expert Jim Vinosky. Jim is a Forbes contributor and business analyst, and he looked into what brought this innovative Hyundai research development program to Montana. What he found out is that Montana is a different sort of treasure state for manufacturing. Hi there, I'm Tom Schultz, host of Voices of Montana. Thanks for joining us for the podcast. Please subscribe or comment or reach out, Tom at VoicesOfMontana.com. Our podcast is brought to you by Blackfoot Communications. Does your home qualify for a $70 discount on your internet bill? Blackfoot Communications is proud to partner with the FCC to help ensure that households can afford the broadband necessary for work, school, healthcare, and more. For more information on this federal program and to see if your household qualifies for a discount on your internet service, visit goblackfoot.com ACP. Connect to more with Blackfoot Communications. You know, for some folks, it's like surprise, surprise. Montana is a good place to do business in, right? And for the longest time, it would have been a surprise to maybe hear that. Montana traditionally was ranked as among the worst states to do business in. And our economy showed that as well. But things have been changing a little bit. And the pandemic had a, a part to play in that as well. How, how open is Montana for business? What about manufacturing in the state? More and more folks are recognizing the value, the quality of our life here and coming. The economy could prosper. We're going to talk more about that today as we get into manufacturing in Montana on Voices of Montana. Tom Schultz alongside from Montana for Montana. It's Voices of Montana. And let's get to it. Jim Vinosky is with us, writer, industry expert, Forbes contributor, host at ManufacturingTalks.com. Uh, just, uh, hey, and good morning, Jim. How are you, sir? I'm good, Tom. How are you? Hanging in there. Uh, I just spent a little bit of time talking about, um, uh, you know, some of those concerns when you talked about, um, you know, uh, Montana become, well, I'm just going to ask it this way. It seems like as you were interviewing Scott Sainert, uh, on on Montana Talks, oh, pardon me, ManufacturingTalks.com, um, you had this sort of surprise, surprise, Montana is a pretty cool place for manufacturing. <laughs> right, yeah, I don't think I'm alone, you know. Yeah. Um, it's, it's far away from a lot of us here in the U.S., and we don't hear a lot of news about Montana manufacturing, but, you know, that's been this really interesting and exciting story that I've learned over the last six months or so. What... Um, uh, so why don't you start? Because you've got a, a long history as an industry expert, and uh, and I mentioned it here to uh, you, over two hundred articles as a Forbes contributor, uh, but also Jim's president of Cosgrove Content LLC that provides media services uh, to industry. Um, the story, um, what what struck you about it, and why did you come out to Montana to write that? Well, so I wrote about the Hyundai Ultimate Mobility Vehicle over two years ago. In fact, it was right at two years ago when I was out there last fall that that story had been published. And then lo and behold, back uh, early last fall, I was contacted by Matt Olson out there saying, hey, we've got this event coming up and and wondered if you'd be interested in joining us because we're going to be kind of celebrating the the opening of this R&D center, which I hadn't heard about. So I wrote about this thing when it was a concept and found out, yeah, now it's, you know, um, bricks and mortar in Bozeman, Montana, and we're actually going to be building these things and came out to learn more about it. And yeah, it was a, uh, definitely an interesting story about that and the, the greater Montana manufacturing efforts. 
one of the things, and I'll, I'll get right to it here too, is that you noted um, what's what's kind of special about this is that this deal involved no special incentives, no tax breaks and, and loan guarantees. Yep. Yeah. And, and, you know, that's kind of a personal mission for me is I see so much going on now where people just dump tremendous amounts of money on companies to draw them in. And unfortunately that too often is a recipe for disaster. It's like we forget about Foxconn in Wisconsin or the, Chinese rail company out in Massachusetts were, you know, huge incentives provided. And then the promised jobs and, and work never comes to be. You, yeah. know, you might get some tiny fraction of it. The right way to go is to make the place a more attractive uh, site for industry, for manufacturing. And that's what Montana is doing. That's that's what excites me about it. What what does industry need nowadays? I mean, we I think we've always known it's needed, um, you know, a solid workforce and, and maybe mm-hmm. transportation resources and, and just uh, accessibility. But uh, obviously, they're rewriting the book, or at least they're adding additional chapters. What does industry need nowadays, Jim? Yeah, it's changing. You know, you mentioned workforce, and that's always been a concern. But here, all of a sudden, in the last year or two, it's just gone crazy, where you just can't get enough people to staff your facility and especially skilled trades. You know, we spent a lot of the last couple decades trying to steer every single high school student toward college and I'm a college graduate myself. I'm not, I'm not uh, saying that's a bad thing, but we did it at the expense of people who are much better working with their hands. And by the way, can make a, a much better living working with their hands. That's starting to bounce back now, but we're suffering the, the effects of maybe a little overcorrection there. Um, the other thing with the, the workforce today is they may not want to live in places that aren't that great to live. And, you know, Montana has a huge benefit there, natural beauty and the outdoors activities. That's, that's definitely going to be a draw for our younger generations. You know, and some of the, and maybe this kind of jumps ahead a little bit, but I'm looking at, you know, the, the, the manufacturing and international trade day. So, it, mm-hmm. it, I mean, this this international component, um, I, I think, is uh, – what is it? It, it certainly is um, presenting a lot of opportunities for Montana. Yeah. Um, but how do we – you know, how do we take advantage of them correctly with, without some of those unintended consequences? Well, I think Hyundai is a great example. Obviously, a, a Korean-owned company, but with a strong presence in the U.S. because there are markets here. And there are great workers here and, and great infrastructure for manufacturing. So it's not about, you know, entirely rolling back the globalization that's happened. We, right. we can certainly point to some horror stories there and some uh, problems with having, you know, a power that may not be <laughs> that uh, uh, friendly to us now running a lot, a lot of our manufacturing. Mm. Uh, that itself is an opportunity. So there are people already reshoring or nearshoring production that went to Asia because of some of those problems, because of the supply chain problems as well. And so it, it is an opportunity to bring manufacturing back, but globalization is not going away. So you have to be able to have those connections overseas and those, uh, those suppliers in places where it might make more sense, be more economically feasible to make things. So, you know, make things here in America that make sense for America and, and rebuild manufacturing on those and certainly continue to uh, elevate other countries that 
step up and, and improve their own manufacturing capabilities. A lot more to talk about as we'll uh, as we're with Jim Vinoski again, a writer and uh, industry expert, Forbes contributor, um, and manufacturingtalks.com, host uh, at that podcast. Spent three decades in manufacturing. Uh, we're going to come on back and, and ask more about the, this reshoring process and 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 also supply our supply chain. Have we have we got a uh, maybe a better handle on it? We'll come on back. Does your home qualify for a $70 discount on your internet bill? Blackfoot Communications is proud to partner with the FCC to help ensure that households can afford the broadband necessary for work, school, healthcare, and more. For more information on this federal program and to see if your household qualifies for a discount on your internet service, visit goblackfoot.com ACP. Connect to more with Blackfoot Communications. Welcome back. It's Tom Schultz from Montana for Montana Voices of Montana with Jim Vinoski, uh, writer and, as I mentioned, um, a podcast host. Montana Talks, a lot of experience uh, in manufacturing. is going to be the keynote speaker for the Chamber of the Montana Manufacturing Association's Manufacturing and International Trade Day, and that comes up March 16th. You can uh, search websites at the Chamber of Montana, uh, cha- uh, Montana Chamber of Commerce for more information. Uh, Jim, Okay, so things sort of, um, you know, we, we had a lot of manufacturing overseas. Uh, we recognize uh, with supply chain and with the pandemic uh, that maybe we were overextended in some areas. So so we're looking at, you mentioned it, reshoring. And I believe Donald President, or President Donald Trump's policies had something to do with that too. Um, what's the status? Uh, have we got a better handle on supply chain? Are we going to be reshoring or nearshoring at an appropriate level? Right. You mentioned President Trump, and he did uh, institute some measures to yeah. to try to, I guess, address some of those problems we talked about earlier with China and their uh, some of their trade practices. Yeah. And that had a short-term impact. But I would say, if you look at the pandemic, you know, suddenly we realized that, you know, almost 100% of our uh, medical supplies were coming from overseas. And even things like masks and respirators, and you suddenly couldn't get them from overseas. I think it showed the tremendous capabilities and resilience of American manufacturing when so many of our manufacturers shifted gears and went into producing PPE, producing respirators, uh, producing all kinds of medical equipment and other things that were needed. And what I've seen is a lot of those companies that started doing different things, they've continued to do different things. They've uh, expanded their own offerings and, and in the process expanded their businesses. And now we also see that there's that realization, you know, when the supply chain impacts became so widespread that we can't, you know, rely for everything coming from uh, around the world. And so now you're seeing battery plants and you're seeing semiconductor plants coming into America. Uh, and, and those are things that automatically would have gone overseas several years ago. What kind of walls do we still need to uh, to knock down? I know we talk about a business friendly um, environment, um, and and right. yeah, those they, they can be things on paper, uh, but when we're talking about real manufacturing um, assistance, like access to resources, um, mm-hmm. we still got a ways to go, right? Well, I applaud Governor Gianforte out there with the legislature. I understand he's signing the uh, latest tax package, the the business equipment tax yep. exemption expansion, you know, that kind of thing where it makes it more financially feasible to compete. 
you know, our labor costs are naturally higher here in the U.S., being a much more advanced country. And so we've got to make sure we're not piling on additional costs. We need regulatory reform. That is another thing President Trump did so well, and unfortunately we've gone the other way under the current administration. But, you know, as long as we keep piling on and piling on additional regulations, we're strangling our ability to compete with overseas countries that don't have those regulations. Um, the other thing I definitely want to make sure we talk about is energy. Yeah. So yeah. it's something I've become very vocal about. In fact, my manufacturing talks episode that goes live tomorrow is a discussion with David Blackman, energy expert about what we're doing to ourselves and manufacturers need to be paying attention to this understanding that, you know, there's nothing inherently wrong with renewables, but as we pile on wind and solar without the appropriate backup and we're decommissioning reliable gas and coal plants, our costs are going higher, which makes it tougher for us to compete. But down the road, we're also going to be seeing energy shortages. And manufacturers rely on uh, on consistent energy. We have to run 24 hours a day, seven days a week to be competitive. And those shutdowns come, um, it's going to be a problem. You're seeing it in Germany today where there's the beginning of deindustrialization because of some of those bad energy policies. And and that's where I've got my mind on that as well. You're, you're, you're actually starting to see some of that. Um, there's a lot to unpack there, and we'll do that. I want to get into energy, uh, and it, it involves uh, rare rare earth minerals as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you yep. know, if we're going to fuel our economy for manufacturing in, in the country, we've got to be aware of some of these things. Jim Vinton is uh, – Vinosky, pardon me, is with us. Um, and again, a writer and a speaker and a manufacturing advocate and expert and a keynote speaker uh, at this Montana Chamber event, Manufacturing and International Trade Day. I'll share a text message and then we'll come on back with more from Montana for Montana. It's Voices of Montana. Voices of Montana continues right after this. Does your home qualify for a $70 discount on your internet bill? Blackfoot Communications is proud to partner with the FCC to help ensure that households can afford the broadband necessary for work, school, healthcare, and more. For more information on this federal program and to see if your household qualifies for a discount on your internet service, visit goblackfoot.com ACP. Connect to more with Blackfoot Communications. Manufacturing in our state, lots of opportunities, certainly some challenges, labor, housing, one of those, but $57,000 on the average wage for manufacturing in Montana. This from the Montana Chamber of Commerce, the Montana Manufacturing Association. They're hosting a trade show. Jim Vinosky is with us. He's the keynote speaker of that trade show. International Trade Day. Manufacturing and International Trade Day. I do want to get that right. That's March 16th. Coming up on Friday, we're going to be doing a live Voices of Montana. This is always one of my favorites. It, it uh, uh, when we talk about manufacturing, you know, we maybe we think of uh, big turbines, and uh, but it's it's not all that. Sometimes it's girl ran away with the spoon. Uh, maybe that's more of a service thing. Uh, maybe it is forty one grains. Uh, maybe it uh, is the uh, Blackfeet Bison Products Organization. We'll be talking with all of those at the Made in Montana Trade Show upcoming on Friday. People who are hustling it, hustling it. Uh, and hopefully loving it too. Jim Vinosky again with us here. He's a, a Forbes contributor, as I mentioned too, and also a veteran of companies large and small like Ralston Perina, General Mills. Um, he is now running his own uh, business, Cosgrove Content LLC, this media services 
to the industry and does a lot of writing, a lot of speaking, keynote addressing. Hey, Jim, thanks uh, for being here. I, I sure appreciate that. Why don't you, I bet you probably have an affinity as well for these small businesses like this Made in Montana trade show, which I was just talking about. Uh, this is this is where big ideas come from, right? Uh, yeah, I absolutely do have an affinity for, for those. I'm a small town guy myself, so seeing the, the small players stepping up and, and delivering the goods, um, you know, that's really the basis of our manufacturing economy. The, the big companies certainly do a lot of good for our country, but it's the small businesses that are the backbone. Boy, and you can see it on their, uh, they, they wear their business on their sleeves, so to speak, and yeah. on their, on their eyebrows. Uh, and yeah. Hey, um, this text message here, and we'll get into a discussion about labor because it's obviously affecting, affecting Montana, but small light manufacturing businesses could do okay in Montana. But where is the labor pool coming from? 781-627-5483 is the text line. You won't find labor until wages go up and housing prices become realistic. You're probably uh, educated yourself about where we're at in Montana. A lot of jobs, uh, but we don't have a lot of housing. And there's there are help-wanted signs out everywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's actually one thing I was a little surprised about when I visited last fall. I was talking to one of the Hyundai engineers who was looking at moving to Bozeman, and she told me uh, a little bit about the house prices there that were uh, quite a shock to me. But then, you know, realizing that that's such a draw for so many people, and it's kind of a double whammy. You you are able to draw in people because of the advantages the state has from natural beauty and outdoor activities, and now, you know, building businesses as well. Uh, but then, yeah, that drives up house prices and, and you're kind of playing catch up. What are some of the answers? I know that some of these, uh, industry, um, well, indus- some industry, um, folks have, have taken to building their own, um, employee housing. Yeah, they sure have. Yeah. Um, industry is infinitely, um, inventive. And so when yeah. we struggle to find the people, we will go out and institute solutions. And that's one of them, um, partnering with uh, the cities to, you know, a lot of places have restrictive um, zoning or covenants and maybe there's deregulation that can open up new areas for development, those kinds of things. Uh, I'm not not an expert on the Montana situation, but certainly uh, housing is something that needs to be looked at. Yeah, I think it's supply and demand. We just got behind in a a lot of ways. So speaking Mm -hmm. to the Montana Manufacturing Association at the uh, International, the Manufacturing and International Trade Day, what's your message? Well, it's a lot of what we talked about here. It's taking a look at the the kind of macro picture of the national manufacturing lay of the land and then talking about what Montana has done already. Uh, The start has been amazing, uh, and I think the results are are showing. And then talking about some of these things that are still out in the future that Montana can pursue or is pursuing to to set itself apart as a manufacturing destination. Like what? there's a lot of good stuff already going on. One thing I heard when I was out there last fall was how collaborative the manufacturers are out there. And it was funny because um, the person who presented it to me is like, yeah, just like everywhere, we're very collaborative. And I said, you know what? <laughs> That's not really true everywhere. Um, there's a lot of places where people won't let people in their plants. They won't talk about what they do. Uh, when we collaborate, we are making everyone stronger. And I understand there's, you know, trade secrets you don't want to give give away, but uh, we also have to be able to um, work together and, and advance our our collective interests. Um, the policy stuff, uh, I think, again, the governor and legislature out there are making some great moves. 
you've got a high tech base growing out there. You've got great education. So a lot of advantages that, uh, that you can play up. What's, um, does it take some lag time? I mean, when, when do you think, uh, and, and this is just purely hypothetical, but, you know, you put some policies in place, you, you maybe get a new administration or whatever it is that causes you to change focus and become maybe more business friendly. Um, mm-hmm. How long does it take before you, you recognize that these policies um, are having a very broad, widespread impact? Yeah, it varies. It really depends on the business environment. The, the, the challenge right now, obviously, is we're facing you know, some pretty rough inflation and, and uh, just some tougher economic times. So it may take longer to see the results. But at the same time, that is also putting pressure on the businesses, on the manufacturers to find better answers. And sometimes that means um, either relocating an existing business or if they're growing, finding a, a spot to put their next uh, their next site. And, and that's where those things that set your state apart can really uh, make you a winner. Let's get into that energy discussion. Again, uh, Jim Vinosky is with us, as I mentioned, a keynote address uh, at this upcoming um, uh, trade day, International Trade Day for the Chamber of Commerce, but uh, very much uh, an expert and three decades worth of, of analysis in the industry. Uh, I, I look at energy, and, and I think we haven't done the math correctly. I use that colloquially uh, to say uh, I think we're setting up um, for a wrong future. Yeah, I think – we have some things right. I believe we should be looking at CO2 emissions. You can see the impact on the concentration of CO2 rising in the atmosphere. And certainly we're a big contributor to that. Mankind burning fossil fuels. You can't argue that that's not a big part of the problem. So having that direction of of taming the burning of fossil fuels can be an absolutely good thing. But then there's all this hysteria saying we're in this climate crisis and it's nonsense. What we need to do is set out a path where we move in that direction in a sensible way. And unfortunately what we're doing right now is going to kill people literally. I mean, you look at what happened in Texas a couple of years ago when they had the winter storm and people literally froze to death. Um, We'll see a lot more of that. If we continue on our current path, there are ways to, uh, decarbonize in a sensible way. And there are a lot more technological solutions than, than most people realize. How come, how come nobody's listening to that? Nobody, well, I shouldn't say nobody, but how come some of the right people are not listening to that? Yeah. Unfortunately, I mean, I, I'm not an energy expert myself. I've educated myself because of its potential impact yeah. to what I do. Um, and then, you know, that's what I hope to do being more vocal with manufacturing is to get, manufacturers realizing that their livelihoods are at stake because of this. Um, There really hasn't been a huge crisis. So you've got the media constantly banging the drum on the, on the hysteria because that gets some clicks. Mm -hmm. Uh, The the sensible voices struggle to get through that din. And so I think, unfortunately, like uh, David Blackman said in our show, that's going live tomorrow, it may take a big crisis, a big event to wake people up. It'd be unfortunate. Well, yeah, and, and you know the politics behind that, right? Never let a good mm-hmm. crisis go to waste. But um, what what have we learned then? Because we've seen this over in Europe. Uh, they they had increases mm-hmm. almost 2,000%. Um, it wasn't necessarily where they were forced to shut down, but businesses can't afford a 2,000% increase in energy costs. What have we learned yeah. uh, from from that? You said um, deindustrializing. That's scary. It is, yeah. I mean, Germany, I mentioned on 
the same show that's going live tomorrow, that there's a BASF plant in Germany that employs over 4,000 people, and they've been already scaling back and, and laying people off, and, and the fear is that that plant goes away entirely. And think about that happening broadly uh, across the country. Um, yeah, it, it can be devastating to the economy. So I'm hoping, you know, I, I feel for the German people, and I, I hope they can turn it around quickly. But if they don't, they can certainly be that canary in the coal mine for us. What's your thought on how does manufacturing manage um, where some of these these social, uh, cultural um, guidelines are taking us, DEI and things like that? How does manufacturing mm-hmm. correctly, you know, be a, a player in that as well, but still protect themselves? Yeah, the thing I always say about manufacturing is we're kind of the crucible of the business world. You know, you're either making good products at a price where people are going to buy them or you're not. And if you're not, you're going to be out of business in a hurry. And so we're voices of sense. I think manufacturers need to speak up a lot more, a lot more loudly about these societal impacts, things like you say, DEI. And I think that that's taking us backwards in how we run our businesses um, in a lot of ways. And so, speaking up for a sensible approach and how to manage interpersonal relationships in the business. We've been doing that (laughs) since the industrial revolution started. Um, Energy. I mean, it's a huge, uh, it's a, it's a must for us. And so uh, for us to lay back and let these things happen, we're not doing our jobs if that occurs. So we have to be speaking up. We have to be talking to policymakers, talking to the population broadly and educating people. Uh, DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion, just some of those considerations that some businesses um, are are adopting. Well, maybe not not just the businesses, but it's the capital. When we uh, The discussion about BlackRock uh, forcing some DEI considerations in their mm-hmm. investment portfolios, that, that's got to be very troubling uh, for, for manufacturing. Well, it is. I think, you know, you have to look at it as there's obviously a societal move to make sure that we're continuing to progress in, you know, whether it's um, racial relations or relations between the sexes, that's all good. What I would say is to the extent that the efforts divide people, they put us into individual camps based on the color of our skin or our, or our sex, that is destructive. We've seen that that's destructive in the past. How we don't know that already is beyond me. Um, when we bring people together, we win. When we separate them, we lose. It's very simple. I always like to ask, what do you want to take away from um, from Montana? Because um, you 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 have a message. You want to depart, um, uh, impart, I guess. Uh, but you also want to take something away um, from these experiences. What would that be, right. Jim? Well, just the the broad based move out there that. that the business community in conjunction with schools and with the legislature and the governor, how you're all working together out there to push progress on, on this business area of manufacturing that has so much promise, not just for you, but for the whole country. Uh, I think what you are doing is in a, a, a lot of ways, an excellent example for what the whole country ought to be doing. And so that's my takeaway. And that's what I'll be uh, kind of trumpeting coming, coming back from my, trip out there next week i'm gonna steal another minute maybe a, a minute and a half of your time and 
and just mm-hmm. ask you, what's the coolest, one of the coolest things that you, like, you, you know, three decades in uh, in this industry, manufacturing, uh, well-known writer and, and expert, what's one of the coolest things uh, that, that you've seen in, in business over the past, whatever, a couple, few, few years? Um, I think, well, the coolest story that rises to the top for me is I wrote about Zamboni, the, the company that I saw that resurfacing <laughs> machines. And I, I'm sorry. I laughed. I saw that because, <laughs> Oh yeah, the Zamboni. Yeah. It's more than you, it's, more than you think. Yes, definitely. It's such a great story. You know, uh, uh, it's still a family business started by a guy in California of all places. And now it's worldwide and you talk to the people and they're just so excited about what they do. And it just comes through how passionate they are. Um, and, and it's such a niche, right? I mean, they make ice resurfacing machines for ice rinks. Uh, but everyone knows about Zamboni, right? You can't say the name. And people don't <laughs> know exactly what you're talking about. It's just such an amazing manufacturing <laughs> success story. You can't say the word Zamboni without picturing yourself on a Zamboni. <laughs> right. You know? <laughs> hey, Jim, thank you. I appreciate that. I uh, look forward to uh, chatting with you uh, down the road, too. Thank you, Tom. I appreciate Thanks. it. Um, I'm behind this break. Jim Vanosky, again, writer, industry expert. Um, he, he talked about that new energy podcast uh, debuting tomorrow, manufacturingtalks.com, for more information. That's March 16th for the Chamber and Mount Montana Manufacturing Association uh, event in Helena. Uh, just search the Chamber for more information on that.